welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope that you're all doing well. Um, and welcome to here. It's good to see you. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm actually back on call today after having um, a few days off. Um, I had my phone off the last few days, which was really nice and not, I haven't been checking it. So that's been good, but uh, I'm back on call and um, yeah, excited. It's my, um, this is my last birth of the year because I'm going to be taking um, an extended period of time off. So I'm excited about that. That's amazing. I love that for you. Thanks. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing really well. Yeah. I, um, had a postpartum visit today and I'm on call as well for a birth, which I think realistically, I don't think is going to happen for another like week and a half, but you know, always got to be ready and sort of in that mentality, like ready to go. So, um, yeah, doing well, enjoying the heat, you know, just taking it easy, enjoying the summer, trying to do some things that are not work before the summer ends because I feel like that's something with like the nesting doula collective where when your work is also your passion it's really easy to just be like oh well like I'm just doing things that I love all the time but it is work you know so I've, I've had to intentionally be like I need to skip I need to like find things and schedule in things that are just like not related to work because I will just like do these types of things like birth work all the time and be like oh it's just stuff I love um so yeah just you know trying to get up to some shenanigans and such (laughs) nice yeah I I agree it's such a blessing and a curse like loving the work that you do (laughs) um and also like we talked about in the last episode about like boundaries around time and and all of that but uh yeah I hope that you do get up to some shenanigans maybe some pride shenanigans <laughs> we were just yeah. talking about how you're missing out on pride in the lower mainland I'm so sad I'm missing Vancouver pride like I just got Instagram back and all I see is like Vancouver pride things and I'm just like uh, like I love I was saying to to Hia like before we started recording I'm like it's such an honor to be like invited into the birth space and also sometimes I'd rather be partying on the weekend yeah on the weekends yeah you you know yeah can't leave the city um you know what I wish for you I wish that I hope that this birth happens early and you're all wrapped up by Friday night and oh my god head over to the lower mainland that is what I wish for you thank you so much I just get a call like the birth is happening now. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, then I should make more wishes. <laughs> that I appreciate it. Yeah. Although sometimes I say that and I'm like, wait, I'm trying to direct the course of my clients like lives and maybe I shouldn't. Do oh, that. I do that all the time. I'm like, wow, I really hope that you just go into labor Tuesday around noon. Yeah. <laughs> totally that and I'm like I probably shouldn't wish that but like selfishly I'm just gonna wish that yeah (laughs) but I also feel like there's something to be said about like I mean it's impossible to dictate these things but it's also like the times that we know that we could show up best for our clients because there's always like there's always times that like no matter what like we will show up but there are times when we won't be able to show up as well because we know that we will have worked that day and being exhausted or whatever whatever so totally yeah trying to reframe it about like it's actually for the clients (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, um, do we want to get into things today? Yeah, for sure. So our topic for today is health autonomy for racialized and indigenous communities. Um, and yeah, so maybe Tahia, do you want to start us off by talking about what health autonomy is and why it's important to us and the next nesting doula collective? Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, what health autonomy is, I think because in the nature of what that means, I think everyone gets to self-determine what that means for them. But I think for us at the Nesting Doula Collective and for myself too, I think health autonomy is not only about how communities and very specific, I'm not talking about just like broad communities, but like geographically specific communities or identity-based communities or like affinity-based communities um, should be able to uh, self-determine what their healthcare looks like, um, how they receive it and how they access it, but also to have the knowledge and skills within their community to take care of themselves and each other. And I think that, um, health autonomy is the antithesis um, or one of one of them to like settler colonialism especially where there has been this um, setup where people in communities um, particularly indigenous communities have been um, uh, made dependent on our healthcare system provided to us by the state and I think it's really important that um, our communities still have knowledge that we all always had and practitioners that have already always had knowledge based on the land based on their culture and traditions um, based on the medicines from the land in order to stay healthy and well um, and I think for the nesting doula collective one of our goals as a collective beyond doing the frontline work of providing birth support and support to birth givers is to promote health, uh, health autonomy in racialized communities and especially in indigenous communities as we are on stolen and unceded land um, and to promote that and to help in our context bring birth and birth work back to these communities. I love that so well said as always. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah and I and I wonder like Simone you do you also do other like health autonomy work too like you I know that you are a sexual health educator um and I'm yeah I'm just curious like just in your life in general just outside of the collective as well like what has the what has that been like for you what has that been like for the communities that you belong to and that you serve what has like health autonomy look like and why is it important yeah, I think like it's always the goal of like communities being able to take care of themselves, as you've said, you know, like, and so not kind of having this like mentality of, well, like we talk about this in like the academy, we talk about this in like all sorts of different contexts, but like having to go to these places where like important people hold the knowledge around our bodies or you know our health but instead having that knowledge just be common within communities um because a lot of it is like not rocket science um especially like knowledge about our own bodies or our menstrual health or birth like 
it, it's not um, as complicated, I think, as it's often portrayed as to be. Like, it's kind of seen as like, oh, well, like doctors would know about that, you know, but you, you kind of have to be like a, a doctor or an OB to really get all of it. And like, that's just not true, you know, like it, sometimes there's a lot of medical jargon and stuff, but like, you can break that stuff down. And so I think like, it's always the goal is to um, have like your friends, your family, your neighbor, be able to have this knowledge about all these different things about our bodies, our reproductive health, and um, to be able to support one another so that um, we don't have to necessarily always have like a sexual health educator come in or, um, you know, a doctor. I mean, we always need doctors who have like specialized knowledge, but there's a lot of things that are a little bit more common than like the most complex medical issues, um, such as menstrual health that, um, I think, yeah, that's always the goal. And I think it's always complicated. Like I, um, have done a lot of like education in communities that are not my own, um, going into schools, going into, you know, different indigenous communities. And, um, and it's always hard because, you know, I've always been invited in. So like, that's first and foremost, like, I'm not just going places where like, I'm not wanted, like, um, I'm always invited in. But even with that, like, when you're an outsider, you don't have the knowledge of the intricate relationships dynamics you know maybe um there's a community that like uh religion is really a big thing and there's different cultural norms around like what's talked about and what's not um and so those are always really hard in terms of balancing your own values with like being humble and not imposing them onto a community but then also you know being invited in to talk about these things and so like especially with sexual health education like for youth I have done it and I kind of like taken a break because it's it's actually really hard to to walk that line between like not wanting to ruffle feathers but then also being like sexual health education is important and we should all know these things and I have not I have not mastered that yet. And so I've kind of just taken a break and been like, I'm gonna just chill on that for a while because I don't know how to do it in a good way necessarily, you know? Totally. Yeah, I think you're really highlighting what, like when it comes to autonomy, often we are talking about autonomous from like systems and institutions like the state or the healthcare system, but also like autonomy from like communities also are, are they should have and are entitled to having autonomy from the status quo as well when the status quo is causing harm to people or um, erasing certain people's experiences um so I think yeah like I think about like I can speak for myself I I'm yeah a brown Muslim woman and I grew up in a household and in a community that um where I like didn't talk about my reproductive health and I didn't talk about my menstrual cycles and that's not the case for like all brown Muslim women obviously <laughs> but it's a common experience among some of my peers and and like folks that I talk to as adults where we are still like just learning about those things and that's actually that that is what has led me into doing birth work because of my own journey about learning about my body but when these like cultural norms and 
um, religious norms also are preventing us from having um, agency over our bodies and practicing health autonomy. That is also something that we have to address. Like it's not always just like the government or <laughs> the healthcare system. These things come at us from all different directions and they're all intertwined. So totally. I think health autonomy, yeah, I think health autonomy go, it, it is, is truly about like agency and, and self-determination and our bo bodies belonging to ourselves and our collective body also belonging to the collective. Yeah, totally. And I think like, that's why for me, like I love working within, like in Victoria with like other like brown women, because it's like, I feel like, I mean, obviously there's like communities that overlap with other communities and stuff, but I find it's a lot easier within like my own community here to, to push the status quo. Whereas like when, if you're going into another community, it's not really like our role to push their status quo. But when, no. when we're like an insider within that, the, the community, we can push our own status quo, you know? And so totally. I think like like, that's, that's such a hard balance when we're asked to come in to other communities because like it's identified as a need, but, you know, sometimes you can say things as an outsider that you can't necessarily say as somebody who has to like live and work in that community. But then also it's like, how are we doing something different than like that colonial uh, method of like going in, like ruffling feathers and leaving? Yeah. It's a hard one. Yeah, it is a hard one. And that's, I think that goes that's an issue that I think people face in all different issues, like in all of our like social movements and community work, the complexities of like the insider outsider complexity, especially in like a settler community where, yeah, a lot of the folks who are organizing and doing this work are settlers, right? And we're coming from different backgrounds and different places, even within like a BIPOC context, right? Or a racialized context, like we all have such different histories and cultural affinities and we just kind of get blocked into this um into this category but we're all so different and it is hard to to know how to approach that and I think that's a dilemma that so many so many organizers and activists face and and I'm curious about how you have approached it like I I think for myself I yeah I I I lean into it like when that happens or when that complexity happens it's not about like okay, you know what, this is too complicated. We're just not going to address this. So we're not going to move forward with this, but let's like talk about that complexity. Let's think about who should be a part of that conversation. Um, let's talk about like the different layers of like power dynamics at play. Um, who has like decision-making power and actually that process is transformative sometimes and, and is what is needed more than like the request that was made to begin with. Mm -hmm. or the thing that we're talking about sometimes even that process of building capacity to talk about these complexities is is part of building autonomy and capacity in our communities In June, we went up to Port Hardy 
to um, host a, or I guess we didn't host, we were teaching and they hosted um, a full spectrum doula training. And um, it was uh, local, local folks and then a few folks from like surrounding areas as well, hey? Do you want to talk about like why we were invited there and how that kind of happened? So over the last few years, some of the Indigenous communities on the island have been trying to build capacity in their communities to support birth givers who are lower risk and don't have to leave their community to give birth at larger hospitals, to be able to give birth at home on their lands. We were invited up north to support that work. Um, in this community, births were being sent out of community because there wasn't capacity in the local hospital to give birth. And what that means is that either it, it's a combination of the facilities weren't there for things like C-sections or epidurals, which actually still aren't there, but more so that the practitioners weren't there. So there weren't any, there wasn't anyone that was able to deliver babies there. And now over the last couple of years or, or a few years, um, they have a midwife up there and they're trying to shift decades long culture of people leaving the community, knowing that that is safer to go to a larger hospital and like where they would go to typically is a, I think like a three hour drive on like a windy road that has no lights. And so in order to do that, they were hoping to get doulas trained up so that doulas can support um, community members in feeling safe in choosing to stay in their home community now that there's a midwife, there's a space in, a in the hospital to give birth. And essentially to educate folks within the community and, and skill up in the community in order to do that. And I guess for folks who aren't that familiar with birth work, why does that even matter? Why is it a big deal? Well, I think for, um, for, for all birth givers, but especially Indigenous folks, I think it's really important that people have access to the comfort of their own home and their families and support systems, their land and teachings from their lands, medicines from their land um, when they're giving birth. Um, we talked about this in our last episode, that birth is a ceremony. So having to be uprooted from your home and from your community having to go somewhere in advance, like two weeks before your due date, finding accommodations, being there, losing your care provider who was providing you with care your whole pregnancy and now delivering your baby or giving birth to your baby with someone you might not know. All of that just kind of sets up the whole scenario for experiences of potential harm and trauma. And so it is really important that people are close to home when they are giving birth um, and close to their allies and their families and their friends and support systems and feeling safe in like a hospital that they are familiar with, with care providers they know and are in their community. That makes a huge difference in terms of outcome. So that's what we were invited to do was to train doulas in the community. And we have trained doulas before, but this time we were specifically going there to train the doulas that, or the community members that they had selected. It was very evident that like, you know, there were people who had tons of experience as doulas in the room who like didn't really call themselves a doula. 
Um, and a lot of the work that we were talking about, like people were doing in different ways um, because, you know, when people need support, people show up and support. Um, so a lot of those like auntie vibes of being like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I've done that. And these are the ways that I support. So that was really, really cool to see. Um, and yeah, just tried our best to like add, just like add to the toolkit. And I think that's what we kept saying is like, you know, these are just like tools to add to the toolkit, like take things that feel helpful. And if there are things you already know, then like, great, don't have to focus on that. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. <laughs> How about you, <laughs> Yeah, I, so I think for me, the, the experience, yeah, the experience was very challenging, but I feel really proud of our team. We, we were a team of four facilitators and we were, I think we did a really good job at being flexible. And like you said, like making those changes and revisions and not because our content was bad and not because the participants were like demanding necessarily of those things, but just being responsive. I think like we were really responsive and I'm really proud of us for that. And I think that I've been to things where, you know, the group is asking, the participants are asking for things, or you can tell by like the vibe of the space that some things need to be different, but the trainers are just like stuck to how they're doing it and, and what they had planned. And so, yeah, I think it's like that if we are going to be working with communities that we don't belong to, there needs to be that, like, again, like you said, like humility to be able to like change our plans and to be responsive. And it's not only humility, but expecting that, like going in and expecting like, that's what our task is right now. And I mean, the reason that we were invited into, because folks might be like, well, why did you even go into another community? The reason we were doing that was because in order to get access to funding that's available for indigenous doulas, they need to complete a doula training and our doula training what met all the kind of criteria that both the community was looking for and that um, that funding body was looking for as well. Um, I did think that there was a huge difference in the outcome and the impact of our training um, between this one and the ones where we have a random assortment of people coming together who just individually opt in to the training. I found that because we went to a community that was already, that already had a lot of infrastructure built in within themselves and they were aware of that. They lived in the same, almost everybody there lived in the same community, um, knew the same stories and histories and all of that and were even like related to each other. I found that at the end, there was so much excitement for next steps and so much momentum towards making their vision for bringing birth home feasible and possible and I think that's that has something to do with like time and place and like shared time and place versus when we bring people together online and from all sorts of different places there's not a lot of that like that um, momentum or like community building that happens which I think is really powerful and I think is like a lesson for us to think about in terms of promoting health autonomy and how much more effective we can be when we are doing that with like a community versus when we're doing that with individuals who are kind of disconnected from each other. So that was 
that was a learning for me and also like a really great example and like inspiring example of what, again, like working collectively and in a community uh, approach and working together, like how far we can go with our visions for, for um, well, our, I guess our vision for liberation ultimately. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I totally agree. And I think like, I, without the Nesting Doula Collective, like I don't know if I would be working as a doula because it's just the way that we work together as a collective, like that support is so integral to like how I work and like, like, you know, just working as a solo person and like popping into people's homes and going to births and then like coming home. Like I'm somebody who like, I'm a, I'm very much like a people person and I need like whether it's like coworkers or colleagues or like we call each other do leagues like I need people to actually like work with in some way and who are like I feel like are on the same wavelength you know like who are kind of building towards the same thing have the same long-term vision of like liberation that we can talk about so that I can feel like I'm doing something for a reason um Mm -hmm. and so I think that like yeah, definitely. Like, I think people who are being trained as doulas, that's probably a big part of it is like feeling like you have that community with you. And I also just want to say as well on that note is that I think one of the things that came out of the training, um, I think on my end and like as a trainer is like, oh my gosh, like I would never do anything alone. Like, you know, like the only reason that I think that was effective was because there was four of us. And with all of our trainings, we always try to have as many doulas on board training as possible. So like, if that's seven, then great. Like training team of seven, let's do it. Because um, we are, each one of us is not gonna be able to respond to everything. Each one of us doesn't have the life experience to speak to everything, um, doesn't have the knowledge uh, for everything. But between the four of us, we were able to respond to most things and to kind of like have a different perspective and um, support each other. And so um, even just in terms of like sex ed as well, like I've taught before and done, I've done a million workshops like on my own and that I say the older I get I'm 26 but like you know as I age I'm just like why did why do I ever do anything alone like it's so much better when you do it as a team it's always better as a team you always feel like more accomplished afterwards um and well supported which is like such a huge part of that process of doing the trainings so um yeah yeah I think that that is something we've been taught through white dominant culture to to um to be out here as an expert on anything which to me is ridiculous like I I don't care like how much you like the only thing you're an expert in is your own experience and your own opinions right (laughs) and your own worldviews but like I don't care how much education someone has in something or training like it just is there's something very odd to me and inappropriate about just being like I'm out here as an expert it's like I might have information that you or knowledge that you might want to know but like 
that setup of that like expert that teacher at the front of the room like we're so used to that from such a young age and we think that that's how we need to do things and and we really don't and it changes how group the group dynamic is it changes how we learn it changes how we build community it changes the process itself um and it's yeah, it's it is the the experience of that is liberating in itself. Um, to to even experience like knowing that okay, if I'm up in the middle, if I'm up in front of the room and I'm with a team of facilitators, but for now I'm speaking, I know that that team has my back, right? So even that, like, even the fact that my nervous system gets that um, experience every time we facilitate together, that changes things, right? Like that changes things around my mental health it changes things around how I think about how think we should go about things how like it just it changes everything because it, it changes the experience and therefore it changes like how I think about the world and experience the world around me and I think that a lot of like nonprofits and institutions and educational institutions really miss the mark on this um, and also like also accepting that there's so much expertise in the room and we can't go into a room ever assuming that there's nothing that we can learn from someone else like when we were facilitating that training there were people in that room that have been to like more births than you and I have or have been doing this like they're yeah they're like aunties and like they would be aunties to us like they've been doing this for like decades um but they were there with the humility to learn so like, how can I not be there with like the humility to also learn from them? Um, and I think that's, I think that comes um, more like, I don't want to say naturally, but like, I think that is like a very, like, it, it it's something that might be more accessible for like, cert I think certain communities, certain folks who prioritize like care work, certain um like I, I feel like those are like soft skills <laughs> um to mm -hmm. to read the room in that way um that gets like totally lost and undermined by like capitalism and our like mainstream institutions and how we how we approach that absolutely and I also just wanted to say that I think like teaching together also makes us like accountable to each other like in what we teach and in how we teach because and it's not in this like you have a boss who's overseeing what you're doing type of way where it's like you'll get in trouble if you're like fucking it up. <laughs> it's more just like you have peers who are doing the same thing who like support you and care about you, um, but also like want to make sure that you're doing a good job and are there to support you, but like are there in the room with you. And like, I don't know, I think that always like pushes me to do my best work and to like show up in the best way possible um but like in a good way like not in like again like not in like a oh my boss is gonna fire me type of way but more in like a I'm sure they'll like let me know if something's up because they they also want to see the best outcome um yeah. because it reflects on all of us as a collective and like as a community too 
or like I'm impeding the revolution kind of way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that part. like if I continue to behave in shitty ways, then like I'm actually like getting in the way versus yeah, I'm going to lose my job, right? Like those, those two things have very different tones to them. Totally. Yeah. And like, we want to see each other, like be good at the end yeah. of the day. So like, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that that happens. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, yeah, that was again, like a challenging, very humbling. Um, and I think overall, like very successful training. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I would use the same phrases and words to describe that. <laughs> amazing um was there anything else you wanted to add about that training or should we wrap it up for this episode yeah I think kind of like takeaways maybe from what we just talked about and why we wanted to share this with folks who are not necessarily doing doula trainings or um or or things similar to our our work is that you know we often a lot of social justice work and um community work is around education. Um, a lot of that is about like educating people about like justice and equity and um, uh, and you know all the isms and 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 I think like I yeah I hope that what we offered in terms of our approach and what we've learned um, offers something for folks who are doing that kind of work of like educating communities and. Um, I hope that folks out there who are finding themselves in an educator role, that they are um, they are keeping autonomy of those communities in mind. Um, so, like for instance, I guess what I'd like to add with the Port, the Port Hardy training is that um, we, yeah, like something that we've talked about when we were there was their interest in doing kind of a train the trainer type thing, so that we don't have to go back there to offer a training. So that folks who are there practicing as doulas who've attended our training can actually do some like facilitation training and skill up in that way so that they can train their own doulas um, in the community. So I think that's like, yeah, I hope that those of us who are doing education work out there are thinking about how, you know, we can we can like teach a person to fish versus catching them a fish. And I hope that's like a big takeaway from this, that like that autonomy is so important. And I hope that's a big takeaway from like the whole story of the Nesting Doula Collective is just how important our autonomy is in this work and how maintaining that also frees us and frees our communities. And I can't, yeah, that's, I can't say that enough. (laughs) Yeah, I will also add the piece around coalition building and like the relationships that we build with the folks who were there training are relationships that we want to sustain both people involved for like a long time to come. And um, we already have had some of that with, um, you know, uh, uh, people from Port Hardy getting transferred um, down to Victoria General Hospital. Um, but already having pre-established relationships with us as the nesting doulas and being able to call on us to um, support as a doula at the hospital because that's a really long flight for a doula or a family member to come and join. 
Um, and so, yeah, like the, in, the lasting impact of those relationships. And um, I try to keep that in mind with uh, the folks who we train in all of our trainings and also like all of my doula, doula clients too. I'm like, you know, maintaining pr professional boundaries, but also being like, okay, great. You're like another person of color in community, you know, oh, you run this business. Awesome. Like I'm going to send people to you or, um, you know, what ways can we like continue to support each other and, and be in relationship. And even if that's just like knowing another person of color in a really white city is like, great, 10 points, you know, everybody's a little bit healthier because of that. So um, <laughs> yes. yeah, like professional, like student and teacher thing, but also being like, we're real people in community and like, let's be a part of each other's liberation. Like, let's figure out how we can like, yeah, have coalition building through this. Well said, well said. I think we ended on that note. Yeah. <laughs> all right awesome thanks for this great conversation Simone I love chatting with you about all these things and yeah just debriefing our experiences together I'm really happy that we get to live and work and be in relationship and in community together absolutely it's wonderful thanks for your time today.